of you have heard about the people who died because of the dirty water in Flint. But do you know what the water did to the brains of the kids in Flint, Michigan? That is a haunting part of the story. To help us discuss it and find out the facts, we're gonna bring on Anthony Baxter, who's an award-winning director who made the movie Flint. He's also made You've Been Trump, You've Been Trump 2, A Dangerous Game and Eye of the Storm. Anthony, welcome back to the TYT. Thanks for having me, Cenk. No problem. So. First of all, I want to clarify something that's really important. The people who died in Flint died from Legionnaires disease, not from the lead. Is that correct? Yes, I mean, we know officially there are 12 deaths registered from Legionnaires, but the true number is believed to be much higher, around 50. And that's because we know about the pneumonia deaths, which has similar characteristics in pneumonia death to a death from Legionnaires disease. But yeah, that's right. Um, in Flint, the lead uh, hasn't killed anybody as, uh, as such. It, it has damaged people horrendously, of course. But it's also true that many uh, mothers have, have talked of the loss of their unborn children as well through um, the poisoning uh, in, in Flint. And, and all of the other chemicals that are in the water, of course. I mean, you know, we know about uh, the lead, which you've mentioned there, Jenk, and also Legionnaires, but there's also other contaminants. I mean, people's hair was falling out, uh, people have skin rashes. A lot of that is still unexplained today. So I wanna talk about why they made this decision and the consequences because there are actually people facing criminal consequences, politicians, which is unheard of in America, so that's interesting. But the reason I started with the Anthony asking about Legionnaires disease versus lead is because since lead does long-term damage as opposed to Legionnaires disease, which instantly can kill you, right? I think I'm worried that there's 3,000 towns that have lead uh, problems in their water right now. Reuters did a huge story about it several years ago. But since it's not killing people on the spot, we're kind of ignoring the same thing that happened in Flint with lead happening all across the country because it's not jumping out to us as more immediate. So that's why I want to go to that amazing fact. It, you talk about what happened to the kids, their average test scores three years later. Can you tell us about that? Well, the test reading results of children have plummeted in Flint. And that's a group of children studied by Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha, the local pediatrician who made the link in the first place between the high lead levels in Flint. Because just to remind your, your viewers, Jenk, about what happened, uh, the water source was switched in Flint, uh, as you may remember, from the Great Lakes to the local river. And the local river, uh, it was the corrosion of that water, the corrosive nature of that water that damaged the pipes across the city of Flint. And as you rightly say, we know that so many cities across the United States and in my country as well, in Britain, has the same issue. These, these lead pipes buried deep beneath the ground. We don't really know uh, the full extent of what's going on down there a lot of the time. And when you pump uh, corrosive water through the system as, as what happened in Flint, 
it interacts with that protective layer in the pipes and it tore that protective layer off the corrosive water because it hadn't been treated properly. And that is what led to those, as scientists said at the time, you may remember this toxic waste levels of lead, big chunks of lead coming off these pipes and into people's homes, a population in Flint at the time of around 100,000 people. And the the impact that that has had is is just devastating because we do know um, that children's reading score levels have, have plummeted uh, in the tests that have been done by Dr. Mona Hanna-Ratishra and others um, studying the impact of the lead poisoning on children in Flint. But there's so much more that we don't know. And I think that's why I think it's so important that the story of Flint isn't forgotten because of the many, many cases around the country, as you say, where similar things uh, have, have been going on since. And it's so easy, isn't it, with all that's going on in the world, whether it's the war in Ukraine or the cost of living or whatever it is, for the spotlight to move on to other stories. But I, I just think it's really crucial that the story of what happened in Flint and what happened to the children and the people right across the city is not forgotten. So guys, when they switched the water to the dirty water, and we'll get to why in a second, um, it created the diseases that killed people uh, fairly immediately. But it also uh, corroded the pipes, as Anthony just explained, which caused the lead to come out. The lead does brain damage. There is excellent analysis showing that the excess lead in our oil, by the way, the gas that we use in our cars, the paint that we use, etc., caused a massive spike in crime in the 1970s and 80s. That it wasn't related to any policy, it was related to the lead. And now we're seeing it again now that the lead is in the water. To the point that Anthony was making, I'll give you the stat. Three years later, reading scores had dropped more than 70%. Just in three years, dropped 70%. That is unbelievable. Lead literally causes brain damage. So, and it is not just Flint, guys. 3,000 towns across the country. And you don't know it until it's too late in a lot of these instances. But now we do know because of movies like this and the attention that's being paid. And yet we're not doing nearly enough. So, let me go back, Anthony, to the original cause of this in this particular town. They were getting the water from the lakes and it was working fine for five decades. Why'd they make the switch in the first place? Well, Governor Rick Snyder, and I remember you covering this story extensively at the time, Jenk, he wanted to save money. He sent in so-called emergency managers into Flint to help to save cash. Now, the people in Flint were paying and are still paying the highest water bills in the United States. And so the bean counter saw a possibility of reducing the costs of the water that they were getting from the Great Lakes, which came via Detroit and was piped to Flint. And they saw the opportunity to cut costs by switching to the local river. And there's a water plant in Flint, which your viewers will, will recall that, that tower that's become the Flint Water Tower, which has become so striking as, as, a, as an emblem for this story. Uh, and the water tower and the water plant was an aging water plant. And they decided to switch the, the water source to the river to save cash. But they didn't do any of the homework. They didn't realize that this water was so much more corrosive than the 
lake water from Lake Huron. But as well as that, of course, there's a, a history in Flint of in, in industry and, and car manufacturing. And what, what they found was um, that this new water source started to corrode the, the parts at General Motors. And when I first arrived in Flint, it was two, early 2015. It was before the story became a big national story. No, nobody really heard what was going on. I was in Detroit doing a screening of a previous film, A Dangerous Game, which you mentioned, which has a, a water theme to it. And at that screening, one of the residents said to me, you should come through to Flint to do something on the, the water here because we've been complaining about it since it switched to the Flint River uh, in April 2014. So by that stage, the local people had been jumping up and down for over a, for a year uh, about what was going on. Their hair was falling out, skin rashes. They suspected this high level of lead because the water color was was foul. It was a brown color. People remember um, residents holding up jugs of brown water on the local TV news. And nothing was being done. And it was a classic case of people jumping up and down, calling on people in power, Rick Snyder, the governor at the time, and the local mayor to do something about it. But they just ignored it. They said, oh, there's nothing wrong with the water. And the mayor was on TV drinking it, saying this is a fuss about nothing. And the residents called in Dr. Mark Edwards from um, Virginia Tech uh, to oversee a citizen science test of the water right across the city. So everybody uh, took part in this and took these samples of the local water. And it was Dr. Mark Edwards' team from Virginia Tech that then certified that this water had a very high lead level count in it. And that was the, the moment when when that happened it was August 2015. I remember it very, very clearly. And then Dr. Mona Hanratisha, the pediatrician I mentioned from the local hospital, she then made the link between when the water had switched to the river and the lead levels then shooting up in kids right across the city. And this was a fact now, and the, the local authorities couldn't ignore it, and Governor Rick Snyder then decided to switch the water back to uh, the Great Lake source. But it was too late because the damage had been done, the pipes had been corroded. And ever since then, the people of Flint have lost trust completely in their water. I mean, I was there just a, a few weeks ago. And still the, the queues around the block, there the are queues for blocks and blocks of people waiting to pick up bottled water because they just don't trust it. They don't trust the water, even though the scientists now say that the water in Flint is as safe as any other city in the United States. Yeah. So by the way, that idea of bringing in businessmen to run government is disastrous on two counts. One, everybody assumes that businessmen are competent. Really? Have you met businessmen? So they're not a model of competence either. And secondly, more importantly, business culture is all about money, 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 money. And it's not it doesn't care about other factors as much. That's a terrible model for the government that's supposed to protect people and emphasize lives over money. So it was a disaster waiting to happen. But last thing here, Anthony, um, and by the way, the movie's available on iTunes and Amazon, and, and you could, uh, it's, it's still out in theaters in some places. So flintdocumentary.com uh, for you guys to be able to uh, get the information uh, about the movie. But last thing is, so is there accountability? It looks like there might actually be some in this case for politicians, which is actually remarkable. So tell us about that. 
Well, there doesn't seem to be any accountability. I mean, there's a case going on at the moment, but there have been cases that have come and gone, collapsed. Millions and millions of dollars has been spent on these cases, these court cases, so supposedly to hold uh, people to account for what happened and the terrible damage that has been done to people across Flint. But no, to date, nobody uh, has gone to jail. The people of Flint have not received a cent of compensation yet. I mean, there's uh, supposedly some payouts coming later this year, but they won't amount to much by the time it's all divvied up. I mean, once you divide what sounds like a big lot of money around 100,000 people, it doesn't go very far. So the accountability for the people of Flint is is just dreadful. I mean, they, they have not You'll remember they were calling at the time for Rick Snyder to go to jail for what happened and his team. Nothing's happened as far as uh, the the local um, people are concerned. They just have to watch and see these officials, you know, come and go out of courtrooms and the millions of dollars that are spent. And uh, when I'm there, as I was just a a couple of weeks ago, we showed the film in Flint uh, to local residents. It's palpable, the sense of injustice, the fact that there hasn't been people held to account, there hasn't been that justice for the people of Flint, and there hasn't been the money spent on on not only the, the sort of uh, the replacement of the pipes right across the city, which has been done to an, in some places, but it's a patchy situation. They haven't replaced all the pipes. That's what the people wanted right from the start. They wanted big federal money to come into Flint, fix the pipes, sort it out once and for all. That hasn't happened. So today the situation is bleak and that trust has completely been shattered. And we focus a lot on that in, in the film, how the various people came into Flint when that vacuum of um, was created after the, the water disaster first happened and they switched the water to the local river. <laughs> well, ever since then, this, this, this breakdown in trust, this lack of accountability has left the people of Flint just reeling really and having to pick up the pieces and continue to live their lives with all the else, else that's going on in the world, whether it's COVID or, or whatever. And they that, that mistrust continues today, very sadly. Yeah, so you could tell Anthony's not from uh, America originally because, not because of the accent, because when Governor Richard Snyder is awaiting trial on criminal counts, Americans are generally thrilled with the appearance of accountability. We don't actually expect accountability, it's America. There is a 0% chance that anyone who is rich or powerful is going to be held accountable, let alone politicians, impossible, right? But the fact that they're bothering to go through the the optics and the semantics of it, we're like, whoa, look at Michigan with a tiny bit of optics of accountability. Uh, That's the sorry state that America finds itself in. All right, uh, the movie's Flint and kidding aside, iTunes and Amazon, that's where you could uh, get it. Anthony Baxter, thank you for joining us, we appreciate it. Thank you, Jack. All right, now we're gonna bring on a former Republican congressman to talk about what's wrong with the Republican Party. Uh, He's the host of the podcast White Flag with Joe Walsh and uh, he also, uh, is author of F Silence, so uh, not playing. Uh, Joe, welcome back. Good to be with you, Jank. Always. Yeah. Uh, so listen, we had the shooting in Buffalo, uh, and 
So this is when uh, the right wing says, "Oh, it's just a lone wolf; it's no big deal." Uh, you can't characterize uh, uh, the right wing and the Republican Party in this way, but it's not really a lone wolf. We also had the shooting in El Paso, uh, also because of the Great Replacement theory. We also had the shooting in the synagogue in Pittsburgh in 2018, also because of the Great Replacement theory. All right wingers, all looking to attack. We see it on Tucker Carlson's show. I'm going to get to the politicians in a second. So. And, and Joe, on top of that, we have polling that shows that nearly half of Republicans now believe either strongly or somewhat in this white replacement theory. So in your experience, having been a Republican congressman, um, what do you think, like how real is this as a phenomenon within the Republican Party? Is it still in your experience and fringe or has it become far too mainstream in the Republican Party? Hey, Cenk, it's mainstream. Not only am I a former Republican congressman, I'm a former Republican radio or conservative radio talk show host. And the scary truth is, and you and I have talked about this before, the base of the Republican Party has become fully radicalized. And what does that mean? They no longer believe in truth, they've given up on democracy, and this ugly element of the base, which used to be more fringe, ever since Trump is now mainstream. And and this is the America's changing. I wish we had 1954 America back. I wish America was whiter. That's, That's a part of now the Republican base. And people like Tucker Carlson and Hannity and the rest of them, they inflame it. Yeah. So, Joe, I don't know if, like, since you spent obviously a lot of time in the Republican Party and because of conservative talk shows, etc., do they have a benign explanation for replace to do what, right? So, like, if somebody said to me, hey, you're going to be replaced by black people or Latinos or Jews, I would say, okay, what am I getting replaced for? What was I, like, What's the topic matter? I don't know, maybe they're better than I am. Maybe the black guy's a better accountant than I am, and then he should replace me, because I don't want to be an accountant. Like, And so the obvious explanation is, no, replace their power, and hence, yeah. obviously, it's it's racial in, in, in its core. Do they even have an excuse or a non-racial reason that they talk about this issue? You know, Cenk, broadly, it's, the, and again, this was my base, and You know, full disclosure, I engaged in some of the inflaming of these folks more than I'm proud of. But it's generally, we want white Christian America back, damn it. That's what we understand. So that's that's their broad feeling, and I still hear that every day from them. But Cenk, you nailed it. It's about power, it's about losing votes. They believe that. If we let everybody in this country and we expand immigration and we don't secure the border, well, these are all future Democratic voters. And the Republican Party will never be able to survive in a country like that. That's what they believe. Yeah, I mean, but super ironically, Trump in 2020 did better with Latino voters than he had in 2016 and better than Republicans in the past had. Doesn't anybody yes. in the Republican Party say anymore, hey guys, instead of hating them and instead of assuming they're all going to become Democrats and they're going to replace white people, why don't we just try to win their votes? 
Yes. Oh, oh, Cenk, exactly. And and that's the conversation that I'd engage in with my Republican colleagues in Congress all the time, Cenk, who would tell me privately, you know, the more these people who vote, we're going to lose. And I would say exactly what you just said. Well, come on, let's persuade them. Let's convince them that freedom and, and opportunity is better than big government. But the Republicans didn't want to engage in that at all. Now, you make a really interesting point. Um, white, white people are afraid of this whole we're being replaced thing. But no, Hispanics in this country, they don't look at it like this. And they are tending to vote more Republican. That's a problem that the Democratic Party has because the Democratic Party, Jenk, is increasingly more out of touch with working class Americans. Yeah, no, look, I would love to disagree with you on that, but you're not wrong. That's why we're both independent because we can actually yes. rationally look at what's right and wrong with both parties. And the Democratic Party's now leadership is filled with elitists. Uh, they never talk about economic issues. Everything is, uh, you know, cultural issues. Uh, yes. and Joe, I, ironically, aren't the Nancy Pelosi's of the world allies with the Tucker Carlson's of the world, as they distract us from economic issues, while their corporate donors rob us blind, uh, and they both are happy to engage in the cultural wars so that we don't focus on the actual robbery. Completely, and Jank, you and I may disagree on a lot of those economic issues, we would, but that's all these voters talk about. Look, I hear, Jank, I hear over and over every day, I hear um, working class Americans across the board, they tell me, and I'll watch my language, they tell me that Republicans are jerks, uh, Trump's just a liar, but Democrats are wimps who don't understand people like me. And so you're spot on and you've talked to this a bunch. The Democratic Party, as bad as the Republicans are, the Democratic Party is becoming this party of like wealthier elites, utterly out of touch with what some working class dude anywhere out in California feels. The minute that anyone on the left says that to them, it's both Democratic leaders, consultants, lobbyists, and most importantly, the mainstream media that will jump down yeah. your throat and say, no, yeah. do not believe your lying eyes. Those pathetically weak and incompetent Democratic leaders are actually lions and master strategists and amazing heroes. On what planet they get steamrolled by Republicans on the daily when the Republicans have, have gone in this crazy direction and they're still winning. Trump is now likely to win the next presidential election. You can't get any weaker than that. So I, look, I can go on for 20 minutes straight about that. But um, I actually want to come back to, to one unfortunately racial component in this story, okay, in the Buffalo shooting yeah. story. So in the white replacement theory, um, in a lot of the instances, the theory is, and, and Tucker Carlson has referred to George Soros, who's a code word for this, right? And, yeah. the, and the manifesto of the shooter talked about this, they say, we are going to be replaced by Latinos and black people, etc. But it's the Jews that are doing that are orchestrating this. So now it's coming through clear as day to, to people like me paying attention. If you tell anybody in Washington, they're still like, "Oh no, 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 no!" Both parties are are great on it. They're the same on anti-Semitism. They're not not in my opinion. But Joe, 
How much do you hear that? Did you hear that before? How much do you hear that today in right wing circles when people think that everybody in the room's right wing? And and it's yeah, it, it's it's there, Jank. It's look, uh, and I, I think you'd agree with me. There is anti semitism is interesting because you find anti semitism on the far right and the far left. Um, it's it's it's. Not not nearly as subtle though on the far right because again this notion of of I want a white Christian America we focus a lot on the fact that you know all these black and brown people and they're upset about the black and brown people coming in but they're also really upset as what they'll say the Jews behind the scenes who are helping to orchestrate all of this. Uh, but but all of Jake, all of my former Republican colleagues in the House and the Senate, uh, not only are they ignoring the white supremacy that happened in Buffalo over the weekend, they won't say a word about this anti-Semitism in their own house. Yeah, no no question. And so now, Lee Stefanik is the number three Republican in the House. She's in Republican leadership, and uh, she's talking about a permanent election insurrection in her ads saying that the immigrants are going to cause the insurrection by replacing presumably white people. And she talks about how granting amnesty to illegal immigrants as if somebody was going to do that. No, that's not even on the agenda. Stefanik was basically a corporate Republican and a Paul Ryan acolyte. The fact that she has moved in a lunatic direction doesn't indicate that she's a lunatic because she previously did not have any mental health issues, right? It is it a bellwether for which way the Republican Party is going? Look, Cenk, we all of us Republicans, we had a decision to make in this era of Trump: uh, do what we believe is right or sell our soul to get reelected. And the vast majority of Republicans, like Stefanik, sold their soul, adapted to Trump. To get reelected and stay in power, and I just I get pissed off at all of these talking heads on MSNBC and CNN who continue to ask how much power Trump holds on the party. It's his party, and that is not changing anytime soon. He will be the 2024 nominee. No Republican will challenge him, and Elise Stefanik, Kevin McCarthy. All of these people know it. So Joe, from your perspective as as someone who's not on the left, when you see Biden say, "Oh, it's this fraction of the Republican Party that's ultra MAGA, and that's the problem. Not all Republicans. Isn't he in essence helping the Republican Party to pretend that the party is not all MAGA, is not all Trump, when in reality it is? Yeah, it absolutely is, Jake. And I don't look. I think I read last week that some some a bunch of Democrats or liberals helped him six months of research come up with this ultra mega phrase. I don't know where, what that means or where that came from. I don't think Joe Biden and I don't think most Democrats understand the threat. This is not fringe in the Republican Party. This is now one of America's two major political parties is fully anti-democracy. And I don't know why Joe Biden is afraid to say that. He should, every Democrat should. Yeah, it's because what you're hearing from real people in America is true. The Democrats are weak. And yes. 
and they are elitists. And so they think, oh, we should whisper uh, in our you know cigar rooms about oh our duty class you know to, uh, some of our Republican colleagues seem to be you know having a fit, uh, but I'm sure that they'll regain their senses when the fever breaks. They are those stereotypes. Hey Jenk, hey, you and I disagree on a lot of policy, but doggone it, you are a fighter and you fight for what you believe in. I can't think of one Democrat who is a fighter who can roll up his sleeves and get into a ring with Trump or DeSantis. This is scary because I, I don't know of a Democrat out there who will fight. Yeah, Joe, unfortunately, you're right. I mean, even guys I really like, Bernie Sanders, they absolutely yeah. refuse to fight. They think they're fighting, but no, they'll let Manchin and Cinema kill all their bills, take take all the corporate cash, they'll never say a word about them. Or they'll sit around the edges, they won't say, hey, that guy is corrupt. Okay, that Republican is a son of a bitch taking your rights away, right? No, yes. it's all super polite NPR BS. Stop whispering, we're in a freaking brawl. Get in there and Thanks. fight for our side, right? I mean, even and no, by the way, that's what working class America, Jank, right there wants to hear. Yeah, but we our number one problem, honestly, Joe, is the mainstream media because they won't yeah. let fighting left get into the press. <laughs> you know, they just That's it's an absolute blockade. They will not allow it. So all they do is put out soft, weak Democrats as if they represent us all. As yeah. if that's like the gold standard to be soft and weak. If that's what the Democratic Party is, no wonder they're losing. All right, you see, we're both independent minded, okay? And we're not gonna listen to anybody's BS. So check out White Flag with Joe Walsh, that's his podcast. Joe, thank you for joining us, we appreciate it. Jane, keep doing your thing, man.